And if you have kids that are in the Bible Adventures age or uh, nursery or things like that, they can be dismissed to uh, Bible Adventures at this time as well. Um, so I love change, and we're, we're talking about change this series. And so I thought, what, um, what could I lend to this topic of change? And I, I was thinking about this old experiment that may not be true or not, but a professor uh, stood in front of his class and had a glass jar, and he had some things to stick in it. Um, and so I've done this a couple times in youth ministry settings, and I thought maybe it would be worth thinking about change um, by using this illustration about our priorities. So uh, it's going to be a little hard for everybody to see, but on the screen um, I'll describe what each thing is, and it'll uh, give the correlation. So I have some water here. Um, I'm going to take the water to represent like things like social media in our lives or um, music, um, things that just kind of are on all the time, okay? Um, water, you can't, not, you can't be in the water and not be wet, right? Like if I stick my finger in the water, it's, not, it's, it's wet now, right? It, water is all-consuming, okay? So we'll put the water in um, the jar here. Because your, your jar, the jar is going to represent your life. So we'll, for instance, this will be Lars's life today. Um, so the, the, the water goes in there. I'm, I'm beginning to fill my life up with all the social media, all the capacity I have for music and television and just having it on all the time, right? Um, so let's go down the line here. We've got sand. Um, sand might be the things, you know, that you have to do that kind of take up time, like cooking, and cleaning your house, right? Um, I could spend all day long cleaning, and I still wouldn't have a clean house. I mean, I, you know, it's like the moment I put the socks in the sock drawer, the baby is there pulling the socks right out of the drawer. Um, you know, whatever it is, I mean, you cook, and then you have to clean the dishes, but then you need to cook again, so then you need to clean the dishes again. It's just this vicious cycle. So let's just think about the little things in our life that are represented by um, sand, and sand is going to get stuck in here. Uh, there we go. Um, okay, so there are things we can't avoid, and the sand represents those things that we can't avoid doing, but we need to do, and they take up a lot of time and space, but they're little things. They're not big, important things. But as we get into um, some of the more important things that uh, we're, we're committing to or making commitments to, it might be uh, a friendship uh, it might be church, honestly. You make a commitment to be here a couple times a month or a couple times a week, some of you. Um, you know, so there are commitments that we make in our life. And so the gems that I have here and the marbles I think about are the, the ways that we say yes to things. Um, so I get invited to lunch. I'm going to say yes. That becomes the gem in my life. Uh, it takes up a large uh, portion of my life. Um, but it may not be the most important thing uh, there. But let's let's put the gems in our in our life. The commitments that we're we're getting the, we're getting pretty full here. Um, uh, so I have these purple rocks. My favorite color is purple, and, and I only have three rocks for for each jar. And as I was thinking about these rocks, they're not um, necessarily the most important thing in my life. I have golf balls to represent those things. Um, bad bad analogies here. Um, but these rocks, I think, represent our passions and our hobbies. So while we make commitments to things, sometimes the commitments we make aren't to things that excite us or get us made alive. But the, the things that we love, the things that drive who we are, 
These are the passions and desires and the hobbies that we find in our life. These are kind of more of like what I would describe as self-care things, things that I do for myself to be who I want to be in the world. Um, And I think sometimes, so for me, reading a really good book is part of this rock, right? But there are a lot of other books I have to read that are sand or gems or, or, you know, something that's not as helpful, right? Not as important. So, so think about those things that maybe are, are really important to you personally um, that excite you and, and, and put those in your container as well. Now I, I have the golf balls. Um, so I have four golf balls here, and I, I think um, each one is maybe not in existence in all of our lives, but I think in many ways these are the four categories that we think about as most important, as the biggest commitments, um, the greatest important things in our life. So one would be our health. Um, when you're sick or when you're um, not in a healthy place, your body dominates your attention. Um, and so our health really matters. It becomes a big rock when it's out of order. And even when it's in order, it can dominate a lot of our time and efforts, like going to the gym and these other things, diets and what we eat. So I'll put the health in there because I think all of us would want health to be prioritized. Um, I have a 14-month-old daughter. I really hope that um, she is a priority in my life, right? That she's a big rock in my life. She's, she's most important. Um, so that might be your definition is biological family. It might be that family can take on a, a new way of thinking. It could be roommates, people that you live with, people that you're um, seen as uh, committing to in a covenantal relationship. And so um, whatever that looks like for you, you might not have family here um, in L.A., but you have certainly people who are family to you. And so family hopefully makes it into the jar cram it in there. Um, all right, I got two more big rocks. Um, I, am I going to be able to fit them in? I don't think so. But um, God, I hope, would be one of your, your big rocks, right? I, I think those of us who are here at church would say, yeah, I want to prioritize God in my life. So he's sticking out of the jar. Um, and then work. Where does work fit in? I think sometimes we think work was the sand or the other things in our life. But but giving ourselves to good work and working hard is part of how God designed us to be. And so I think work becomes a, a big rock. And maybe it was one of the ones that you had to stuff in earlier. Um, but I think often our life is like this jar. It's overflowing. It's, uh, the, the big rocks just don't seem to make it in. They seem to be falling out because there's all this other stuff inside deep down. So if you've seen this illustration before... Um, there is a way maybe to think about our priorities differently than I just did by putting in the water and the things that take up all of our time. We're just immersed in them all the time. And the sand, things we have to do, the gems are the commitments that we make, the yeses to our calendar, um, the rocks, the hobbies and passions that we have, and then these most important values in our life. So what if we started with the values, the values of, of work and of um, family and of God and of our health. And if we started with these, these big rocks and then they, they fit, if they, we start with the values and then maybe we say, okay, I have some hobbies. I really am passionate about writing and learning and some of these things that I, that I love. Um, 
going on hikes, whatever, exploring um, the world. And then maybe we start to look at our calendar and say, how can our calendar be shaped by these values and commitments? And the things that we say yes to are shaped by those things. So we, then we begin to look at how our, our Monday through Friday and Sunday, Saturday and Sunday gets shaped. And then we say, okay, yeah, but I have, I have the dishes and I have laundry day and I have all of these things that have to get done, the cooking and the cleaning. And so we have the sand um, as it goes in here. And it's, it's going to start overflowing here in a second. I have a piece of dirt in here. Let's get that out of there. Um, but... I'm immersed in a bunch of things throughout the week, right? So I've got social media and music on and TV. And as I pour that in, um, the sand begins to go away. And I begin to be able to have more time for other things. And as I continue to live my life, there seems to be just this ever-growing capacity um, for more. And then I get the sand all the way in there, and I can get all of the water in there. And some of you are asking, were the measurements all the same? They were. Uh, okay, it worked. Last night I wasn't sure it was going to work. Uh, okay, so it, it's, it's an interesting illustration, right, that maybe just the way that we put things in and the way that we begin can change. And that's the way the experiment went, worked. But my problem in church is that I don't know what to change most of the time. It's fine for me to say that the golf balls are these things, and if I just put them in first, then everything would. But what do I start with? Where do I start? And so we're doing this series on change and how we make positive changes in our lives. How do we do this? So I looked up a word that is used a lot, and I, part of the reason that I looked up the definition was because I used this word, and Janelle's like, that's a churchy word. I don't know what, that's like grad school word. So this word is discernment. I think I have um, a slide up here for it. So I looked it up on, on the web, um, and you can find it Webster, Webster, Merriam-Webster online. Um, discernment, the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. And then I love the, the extra, like, skill in discerning. Okay, so um, what we're going to do today is flex some muscles, go to the gym of discerning. And that's what I'm going to call prayer. Prayer is the practice of learning to discern. And if we don't do this practice often, if we don't go to the gym, as it were, we're not going to be very good at discerning. We're not going to be very good at understanding the quality of what's hard and obscure to grasp and comprehend those things. So I'm going to make the statement that maybe is too obvious, that is, I'm not sure how to do this. Maybe you're right there with me. Maybe you do have an idea about how you could change the way that you're putting in the rocks. Maybe you need to put the phone down at night and, you know, just turn it off. I don't, there's a lot of things out there that, a lot of blog posts on how you can reorder your priorities, right? But as a Christian, sometimes I feel like it's an obscure thing. I'm not sure how to change. I'm not sure what God wants me to change. Um, and so that's where discernment comes in. And so today uh, we're going to learn, we're going to uh, practice some diverse uh, skills in prayer. Some of it's going to be comfortable. Some of it's not going to be that comfortable. Some of you are going to go, that wasn't really prayer, and that's okay. But my hope is that we're stretching you to kind of discover some new muscles, some new skills in discerning. Um, I, I like, uh, if you can go to the next slide for me. Um, I wanted to read a passage from uh, Luke 
on prayer, and it's my favorite parable of Jesus. So if you um, have a Bible, you can turn over to Luke 18. I'm actually going to just read it off the screen. Um, Luke 18 is a teaching that Jesus does to his disciples, and it has a troubling phrase at the end. So I'm going to give you the punchline at the end and then see if you notice. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God and or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Or in other times, it says where, in other translations, it'll say wear me down, wear me out. Um, So the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So if Lars wrote a commentary, um, I would say at the end, will the Son of Man find people praying when he comes? Because I think Jesus makes a, a connection here that what he's looking for in our life is this persistence in prayer. And so I, I looked up prayer because... Uh, for crying out loud, we use the word so much. What does it mean? Um, so I think I have the definition of prayer in there as well. Um, it's, it's from a Latin word. It's actually like a Middle English translation of a Latin term. And it means to entreat, um, to find an entreaty. Let me just pull out my notes so I make sure that I quote it correctly to you. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an address to God. And then it's kind of, if they're, they're going back to the old, old way of, of uh, thinking about it, it's obtained by entreaty. So I thought, what is entreaty? Well, it says it's an earnest or humble request. So as you think about um, prayer, and I may not have put it up there on the screen, so that's okay. Um, it's something that we do, we address God, and then we entreat or we go over and over, we're persisting, we're earnestly saying, this is something I need, God. And so while we've most of the time focused on the end result, did we get what we needed, I want to stress that discernment and understanding obscure things and what to change in our life is not so much about the result of the prayer and how God responds, but in our obedience, in our persistence, in our practice of it, in our continued practice. Because In the Old Testament, we are reminded over and over again that people prayed and sought after God, and they died long before Jesus came. So the witness of Scripture is that even though generations pass, God is faithful. And so while my 10, 20, 30, almost 30 years now on this earth, while I may feel like God is not listening— I may not live long enough to see some of the prayers that I pray in persistence, in earnest, in entreating of God result. But my hope is that my, the world is better off for my daughter 
because of my persistence in prayer, in my discerning of what is right and what is true and what I should do with my life. So um, today we've got nine stations. Um, I, I like this, this phrase, discernment is learned in the persistent practice of prayer in all our life and at all times. And so today we're at church. Why not practice it here and not just talk about going to practice it elsewhere? Um, I loved what Justin said. I want to say less today. I'm, I'm hopefully going to have said less. Um, so today I'm going to let you experience prayer and, and do that. There are nine stations around the room. There are eight inside here and one in the foyer. Um, and they all have instructions on these PVC uh, uprights. So we have the centering prayer, which is a, a moment of silence and where you be with God rather than speak to God. So it's a prayer of listening um, and primarily engage with your breathing and, um, and those kind of things. So you're, you're not emptying your mind to be empty. You're emptying your mind so God may be with you. Um, the prayer of examine is up front here, and it's an opportunity to take it home with you, but it, you can also spend a few minutes trying to practice the five steps of the examine. It's a reflection prayer. Um, the courage station is over here with a paper shredder. Um, and then uh, we've got three more um, on there. The kingdom station is in the back, and it's the yarn. Um, so you'll be praying about the different uh, churches and our role in the greater kingdom of God. Um, there's a gratitude jar station or art station in the back around the black table. Um, that's an opportunity for you to design a, a thankful jar or a joy jar for you to have at home and to practice gratitude daily or weekly um, as a family or, or as an individual, and you write things and then review those things at the end of the year. Um, the reflection station is the mirrors up front. Um, and then there's the, the, a tangible taste station, the salt station in the back. Scripture station is uh, kind of self-explanatory. There's some Bibles with some passages of Scripture to reflect on, which is a, a traditional way of praying and, a, and discernment, a great way to do that. And then the expensive prayer is in the back as well, and it's some index cards for you to take and to commit. Maybe you put it in your purse or your wallet or your, um, pin it to your desk. And it's something that you pray consistently, a written prayer, um, as you see God maybe calling you to do something new in your life, an, an expensive expression of following Jesus. Um, so the way this is going to work is we're going to have about uh, 15 minutes to uh, roam the room and experience the prayer stations. You may get to one or two stations and say, I'm going to spend most of my time at these two stations. You may get to all nine stations, and that's great. You may not be as comfortable getting up and going around um, or even as able to, to make it to all of the stations, and that's okay because on the screens in front of you, you'll be prompted with some reflective prayer practices. A, a couple of the different practices that are around here, you can participate by just staying in your seat and paying attention to the screen. Um, there's going to be some music playing, and while we do that, uh, I invite you to be engaged in the prayer stations, and then uh, the, the worship team will come up and lead us in a song uh, to bring us back all together for just a, a, a couple minutes of recap and, and thought together. Um, so your cue to come find your seat again will be when the worship team gets on stage, okay? Um, if you have questions, I'm going to be standing up here in the front, and I would be happy to help explain anything or, or help walk you through a, a prayer station as well. So um, we're going to have them play the, the music and go ahead and
find your way to a prayer station. No, it's fine. Just take them off real quick. They can stay wherever. Yeah. Okay.
So you can go ahead and have a seat. Um, I hope that experience was uh, life-giving. I like to say life-giving because that doesn't always mean it's pleasant, um, but it's helpful. Uh, I know that for me, seeing some of these prayer practices and then doing them and then now leading them a few times uh, has just changed my imagination of what prayer has to only mean. Um, It can involve tasting salts and using a paper shredder and all these other things. Um, I want to remind you of the definition of discernment that I I told you about earlier, um, that it's this obscure thing, right? It's, It's the clarity of understanding and being aware of things that may seem obscure. And then if you think about prayer, um, prayer then is this practice, this uh, kind of earnestness, this uh, persistence in learning that discernment, in learning to see the things that are obscure, to understand what God may be wanting for us. So I asked a bunch of different people in our church uh, to send me a quick little video about a helpful prayer practice in their life. And so I've got a two-minute video for you just from your um, fellow church members. A prayer practice that is very meaningful to me is spending some time praying over the needs of our church. It helps me to get outside myself, to realize that I'm not the only one in this world and that we all need God at certain times. And sometimes people need God's presence even more meaningfully than I do. So it's a real blessing for me. A prayer practice is always really beneficial for me. Is praying before meals. So it just presents a chance to really pause, be grateful for what God has given us, and also be feeling peaceful, just grateful for everything around me. A prayer practice I really love is whispering a prayer over Ashlyn before I put her down for bed at night. My day-to-day, so my day-to-day life revolves heavily around routines. Um, so I coordinate my prayers accordingly. Uh, two routines I know is going to be there every day is my commute to and from work. So probably not the best in terms of focus, but I oddly find some peace and quietness during my routines in traffic. So that's typically the two prayers I can count on every day. Anything else is an added bonus. One prayer practice that has always seemed to help me is in my nighttime prayer as I fall to sleep to give God all of my worries and care so that he can take care of them while I'm resting and to give me a good night's rest. A helpful prayer practice for me includes any place, any time, anything. And it just keeps me in touch with my faith. It helps me um, feel closer to God, but it also helps me adjust my day-to-day life on the fly. And for instance, if I pray and complain about a coworker, um, I might be reminded of the grace and the forgiveness I've received and what God's done for me, and, and then what he expects, how I treat other people. Any place, anytime, anything. So um, I think one of the themes from the videos uh, is that prayer is done all over the place in the everyday moments of life. And so as you think about the prayer practice that we've done today, uh, we've done them here at church, but that's not where prayer is most often done. It's everywhere at every time. And uh, Jesus uh, follows up the, the parable of the persistent widow um, with this other parable. Uh, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Part of our entreaty, uh, part of our prayer time, is this humble request, this humble persistence to God. And um, it's not that we're more righteous if we pray ten times a day or if we come to church every Sunday and pray and we do all of these religious practices. It's not about those things. Um, It's sometimes having to be honest enough to say, I don't know what to pray in this moment. Lord, have mercy, right? Christ, have mercy, as we sang in the song. Um, And it was that humble uh, plea that was the one who was uh, recommended to us in the parable. And so for, for you, you may look at the jar like I do sometimes and say, I don't know what to change in my life. As we do this series, we're going to get pretty practical. We've already done so, and if you haven't listened to all the messages, you can go online and find several of them that have been ones I'm going to review um, again myself because they're very practical. There are things in my life that I need to change. But a lot of the time, I'm not sure how to do that, and I don't know what to change. And so prayer reminds me to be persistent, to be humble, and to pray that prayer of, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, We're going to sing one final song, and then um, Janelle's going to share about a prayer practice that we've been using the the gratitude jars for. Um, So let's sing uh, this song together. I invite you to stand if you are willing, or if you need to spend this song praying, you're welcome to stay seated and pray as well, whatever uh, you need. Let's sing together.
things that we do every uh, Sunday throughout this series and, and several of our other series is just getting a chance to hear different voices in our church kind of respond um, to the message in a way. And so the prompt that I sent out and the prompt that I gave to Janelle was, what's a prayer practice that's been helpful um, in your life and, and why? So, Okay. Um, so for our family, we really enjoy our joy jar. So what you guys just made, but the little mason jar couldn't quite contain all of the great things that we have in our life. So there's some pictures um, of our family Christmas this year, which was really fun because Ashlyn got to participate. But um, starting on January 1st, all the way up through December 31st, we enter things hopefully daily, sometimes not so much, but um, just really pouring out our praise to God for the things that he has given us and the things that we have in our lives that bring us joy and um, give us cause to just stop in our day and think about how awesome that is that we have that in our life and in our um, rhythms at home. And so this past Christmas was really special because Ashlyn got to participate in pulling some of the cards out and um, we read them aloud. We take turns going back and forth, reading from the past year, the past calendar year, all the great things that have happened in our life. And um, it sits right in the middle of our living room. So we see it every day when we pass by it. And it's just like, wow, look at, like it's only February and look how many things are already in there. Um, so it's a good way for not only us to individually pray and give thanks and praise, but also as a couple, um, every once in a while we'll sit down and like, okay, each of us are going to write five things today and put it in the jar. And it gives us time um, as a couple to also praise God for the blessings he's given us. And just one of the things that I noticed, yeah, um, is that as we um, do this, other people are invited into it, right? So reading um, some people who snuck ones into our jar um, throughout the year and, uh, and then being reminded of things that we totally had forgotten about that were, that were really, really fun memories and things that we were thankful for God for in that moment. And uh, in December, I wouldn't have remembered that that happened. You know, I can kind of mark the year uh, by observing that. And so uh, it's been a, been a really blessing. So I hope that even if you didn't get a chance to get to the gratitude jar station, it's going to be there, make a jar, um, or take the idea and, and do a, something unique yourself with it. Um, but that's just an invitation uh, that's been helpful for our family as well. Uh, I wanted to intentionally not say a closing prayer because I believe we're praying as we go, right? So uh, I hope that your imagination of what prayer looks like, it's not just your eyes shut, um, heads bowed, or something like that, but it can be anytime, everywhere, as we go, as we're together. Um, And so may you go praying today. You're dismissed.